Welcome to Coalcast, Coalfire's oh cybersecurity <laughs> podcast. This is episode four. We're talking with our boy, Josh. Yep. And, and uh, uh, oh yeah, our names. Yeah, we need to say those, don't we? I'm Logan. kind of important. Yeah, yeah. Who am I? Uh, and, and I'm Nate as yeah. well. And then yeah. Josh is the third person. I am. I am the guest, I think, the term yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not for long, though, Josh. Maybe you're going to come on as like a, as a staple you food You know group. what? Were you thinking the same thing? I mean, he has such a strong... Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see how this one goes and we'll yeah. move on from there pressure's on though yeah, because exactly. like most this people watching this they're like okay this josh guy yeah had, clearly knows what he's talking about yeah. security now all yeah. of a sudden been introduced oh he must know everything <laughs> the king of computers oh, josh that is, that is a scary idea <laughs> <laughs> well um, well no he's you're basically like the the life and breath of of coal all, fire yeah all i have IT, right? been yeah. around coal fire for six years yeah. Um, You've when built- I joined Coalfire, there were 150 people. Pentest was a total of 12 pen testers. Um, since we've now, um, I don't know, we're five times that number now. Yeah. So, so we were, so we were a small company. We had one PM that ran all of the engagements. Now we have um, like eight PMs. Who was we are PMs to? I think five. Five. Oh. Five. Do we not have like dedicated PMs in like the UK or anything? We we or? don't have. Um. No, not for Pentest. Oh my God! I figured there were at least like two there. Who so, was the wow. PM that was there? Uh, Michael Gill. Oh, dang it. Gill does all the PMing for the UK team? Gil, Gil no. was the only PM back when I joined Pentest. No way. I didn't really? know yeah. he was that old. Yeah, so, I yeah, no, that Gil is prob- Gil and I are probably beyond management, you know, Bruce and Bruce and Mike. Right. Gil and I have been around the longest out of any of the people in Pentest. Wow. wow. I did not know so, that. So, I mean, so Gil and I have been around for the longest period. Uh, I joined the company, I think, before Gil, but Gil was part of Pentest before I was. And you built up a lot of the stuff that the pen testers are using today. When right? I started, pen test was using consumer grade hardware to run their servers. So, like, if you Dang. needed to crack a password, you were doing it on your laptop or something. Yes, actually, we had we had builds that had uh, had graphics cards built in, so you could crack the password on your local desktop while you were working. Now we which have- didn't really work. Because uh, imagine that you're, you know, your computer's trying to churn through a bunch of passwords and trying to emulate a VM and stuff. <laughs> yeah. doesn't work so well. No. Now we have a much better setup, though. We do. We're, we, well, we have NPK now. But before that, we had ooh, Brutalis. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and we've got some other stuff coming down the pipe that way, too. Wait, so, more stuff? Um, yeah. yeah, Brutalis. The, the, the abilities of Brutalis and such are going to be um, increased. Brutalis is actually the name of a product created by Sagita. It's not actually the name of the... Yeah. Like, for instance... It's not actually the name of a uh, of the computer that we named it. Yeah, it's, it's actually like the name of company. the product from Sagita, where they they custom build these cracker boxes and they build custom drivers and they ship them to you. I've heard hmm. that they're very particular with like customer service. Like you cannot change anything, otherwise they won't support it. Have you had to deal with that? Like- we had it when we installed it. Actually, this is a really good thing that ended up happening. Is we had it when we installed it. It came in some kind of messed up state. We weren't able to make it work. Um, but the guy, actually the head of the company at the time, um, on Christmas or on Thanksgiving Eve or on Thanksgiving actually logged in and fixed the computer entirely remotely from his parents' house while they were getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. Wow. That's the level of support that Sagita gave us. And I cannot like that is a class was fantastic. Totally awesome, but no. Um, you without with those systems, they are particular about the drivers and stuff. Because if you upgrade them past a certain point or do certain things with them, they can actually break those drivers. Aren't they also like kind of particular about like not letting you upgrade Hashcat or something past um, a certain version? 
I haven't noticed that, but okay. they're definitely they're touchy on certain things because there's certain um, there's certain updates. For instance, the system we have is kind of a unicorn. Um, that it was right at the at the peak of when Bitcoin was taking off and nobody could mm. buy gra- graphics cards. Mm. And so, in order to get the graphics cards for this system, they drove to a Best Buy and bought out the Best Buy of the graphics card we needed so that they could go slot those cards. So we have a unique model where all of them are reference cards from a particular Best Buy purchase. You cannot buy these anywhere but Best Buy, and they were just put in that in that thing. So that is our our box is a little unique. Dang, I drove to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Wyoming wants to get a graphics card to get a graphics card and an HTC Vive because, from where uh, it was a GameStop uh, and a Best Buy respectively in Cheyenne Wyoming. yeah no, I mean like where'd you drive from from my house yeah from my house in Aurora Colorado yeah. to oh, Cheyenne yeah. it was like two but hours because nobody that's carries two or it. half yeah two and a half two hours yeah we used to go up there for fireworks but yeah I haven't recently I almost went for the eclipse that happened. Oh, man. I didn't know when I moved here that Cheyenne was so close. Well, no and not idea. only that, but that would have been a thing. My friends went to the eclipse, and, and it was... Yeah, actually, they got engaged at the eclipse. Kind of cool. That's cool. Um, but the, um, like, the, the roads, they said it was an eight-hour drive for, like, 15 miles. Like Jeez. just and people were just pulling off on the sides because they were running out of gas. They were pulling off on the side <laughs> of the road. Because they were setting up, and setting up camp. Wow, that's so crazy. So people were just camping on the side of the highway because the highway wasn't moving. Dang. Dang. Yeah, so kind of crazy sitting in the path of the eclipse. We saw 98 or 99% occlusion, and that was still pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard that the difference between like 95 and 100 is massive. It is. Like, um, 98 felt like it was dusk all of the time. 98, 99% occlusion. Um, but it apparently went night, like dark night style at wow. 100% occlusion. Yeah, and then like you get that ring around yep, the... Yep, exactly. Yeah. And you looked at the... Yeah, we, we have the we have the glasses and the thing that like it. redirects it so you don't <laughs> go blind. Or they're just super they're super um dense or super super dark lenses so that you can look at the sun like safely. Welding glasses yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Same idea, um, That's but cool. cheaper. Um, Way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at a spark for welding, it'll actually like burn your eyes and can form like like blisters on your eyes. What? Yeah, welding. Oh do not look at the spark. It can cause serious damage. That's crazy. I'm, I'm too tempted. I yeah. would, I'd be like, oh, I just want to see what it looks like. Like a moth to a yeah. flame. It, you want to see what, it lo- what, an, what the arc looks like. It will blind you. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to okay. do it anyway. Not yeah. going to do that. Blisters Last thing no you thing. did kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> so getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> random, random facts about things Tell me about this one. Know. Tell me about this oh, one. Oh, well, okay. Okay, well, so well, we well, should wait. talk about what those are first. <laughs> um, so well, that's. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You so can explain it. Nate had never seen a DEF CON badge before today. That's right. So um, I brought in my pile of DEFCON badges from, um, I've been going since 18. I missed one year since then. And yeah. And then I ended up helping out staffing since 22. And so all of these are old DEFCON badges. So yeah. So I've heard that sometimes if you're like a goon or if you're helping out in some, uh, in some form that you get, you can get like leaked early diagrams, like uh, what are they called? Like circuit maps of these badges, and people. I have will... never seen that. Like really? I'll be honest, I've never, as a goon, I have never heard or seen anybody who got early diagrams on how this stuff works. Jim mentioned I don't I don't remember the details because it was last yeah. year and it was in Vegas and everybody was drunk. But Jim mentioned that he either knew somebody or uh, somebody told him that they got a early diagram of one of the boards. And that they found out that you could short out the board by connecting two circuits. So they had enough time to go print out something. It was like shaped like a banana. And it would connect those two points. Those and fry two the contacts. board. Yeah. 
So they would go around ah. handing these bananas out and being like, hey, connect this to your badge. Connect this to your badge. It's like a cool little thing. Welcome and to DEF CON. Yeah, everybody no, no, would yeah. just fry this, their this badges. Is the thing is like DEF CON is like you have to be to some degree smart about the things you do because the, you're, you're going to get people trolling just as much as you're going to get people who are trying to help you out or something. And yeah. I mean, nobody will ever want to do uh, that's not That's not true at all. Um, I have not experienced a lot of people who are doing it maliciously, like going to attack you. I mean, there are people who do that, but mm -hmm. a lot of people, it's for shits and giggles. Yeah, because they're so there they with just, their buddies and they want to yeah, show and, off. And so part of it is just like expect expect hijinks at DEF CON. And the reason is because at DEF CON, that's just what happens is hijinks. Yeah. Now, is it true that you should like have an RFID proof wallet and don't bring your phone and all I that mean, stuff? I mean, I be a smart. But How at the smart. same time, be smart. Um, How paranoid? I'm not as paranoid as I used to be. That surprises me. But um, on the other hand, that's also because I've been around the community for longer. That's not to say that I'm like, you know, yeah, bring your phone and leave Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all this on or something. Right. But at the same time, like, if you're smart about it and you know what you're doing in terms of, like, you know, setting up your AP correctly, you're not your AP, but your connectivity, um, it's... Something that's really easily explainable is, is the DEF CON secure network is used by the DEF CON not goons to administer the network. They will actually go out on the con floor and they will connect into the into the into the secure network in order to manage the gear that makes the DEF CON network go. So if they're willing to trust their hardware and their stuff and they're the ones running that environment, then you're probably pretty safe on that environment if you set up to be securely connected. If you're just like, well, I'm just going to connect to any AP that's named this and hit the button, you're going to have problems. Yeah. But if you're being smart about how you're doing it, then it's a lot less dangerous. The trouble that's not to say don't worry about it. That's just to say if you're smart, then you're not necessarily like... I'm not going to take my phone and connect it to my Fitbit while I'm at DEF CON. <laughs> Sorry. But um, at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, if you play intelligently, it's not as dangerous. It's not like, it's not going to be like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end like everybody thinks it is. Yeah, I got, I got tricked into bringing a burner. Uh, there was a guy that we work with, uh, Jack Hooker, and he was like really big on this burner thing. He found a, a sale that was like really, it was a good price for a burner. And I was like, why not? It's like 20 bucks or whatever. I'll buy it. But I ended up not using the burner at all. Just because, like, it's a pain. You have to give out that number to everybody. And it's like a crappy Which little I can't Motorola. necessarily say that's not, I can't necessarily say that's a good thing. But fair enough. What, bringing Especially, a burner? Or, or not. Or, or, like, it's such a pain, so I'm not going to do that. That's the, yeah. that's the downside of security a lot. Like, for instance, that would be a big problem. That's a big problem that, like, you, pay, you face when working with pen testers. Security as a, as and a Security as an... As a, as a, as an engineer working on the side of the blue team instead of the red team for a pen test department, um, that's a problem you have is a lot, of, a lot of pen testers want something done the easy way because it's fast and easy and simple. But when it really comes down to it, being secure and being simple and, being, and, and doing it the easy way are not necessarily the same thing. And so you end up having to find these ways around things so that therefore your users are able to use the system, but at the same time, you're still trying to be secu as secure as possible. The thing that I found that worked for me um, at DEF CON, like the balance between security and usability, was just not using my phone. Like I just, yeah. I turned my phone off well, and I hung out with the people that I was with. And if yeah. I got lost, I'd find somebody else yeah. to hang out with. And well, we, we, we can't necessarily do that as goons, but yeah. that's, yeah, that's because a good point. like we yeah. actually have to be connected in, to some degree. There's, you, you know, you have to get communications from the rest of your department. Stuff like that, especially yeah, as a team lead, right as, a, now. as a team, excuse me, as a team lead or a, or a shift lead, you're going to have to do some of that level stuff. Um, and it used to be a lot more radio. Uh, DEF CON still offers ham radio and stuff like that. So, you, so there oh, are like a lot of people who will walk around with Baofengs and, and ham radio and actually 
do that kind of thing at DEF CON, too. Do you do ham radio? Uh, I do not have a license. Okay. That's, so that's so technically you cannot I do say not, yes. I do not yeah. do ham radio okay. because I do not have a license. Yeah, I forgot about that with ham radio. You'd like have to it's have a license It's one of those things I want to do, but recently they dropped the um, need for Morse code to remember Morse code. And oh, with really? dropping that in order to get, in order to get uh, your basic level, not your engineer necessarily, I think. But in order to get your basic level, you don't need to know Morse code anymore. And with not needing to know Morse code, um, I, have, I, I have been intent to actually, I think this year, I'm going to try for my ham radio license. Ham radio is one of those things that I just never really got the appeal of. Like, I know there's a ton of people in the hacker community that are like, oh, yeah, it's fun. You communicate with your boys, and it's like kind of underground. And Can you explain what it. it is for it's, people that may not? Ham radio is shortwave. It's a radio that is basically um, shortwave that people use to communicate. You know, like CBs and truckers? Mm. That's the kind of thing that you're talking about. So people who are able to talk with the people around them, it's not something that's going to be like, you're not doing a, a broadcast at a... Um, like the, the the same power level or something as you do for like a commercial radio station mm. but it's home operators for uh radio so mm. that you're able to have communications there's a whole there's the you know there's certain ways that you communicate there's certain things you say there's there's abbreviations stuff like that mm. that you need to know in order to communicate over ham radio um it's the consumer area of the of the radio of the radio spectrum could you tell us more about your, your like origin and how you got into yeah. tech? And so um, I've been doing this since I was like 15. Um, early on, my parents got a computer. Uh, they were very limiting on what I was able to do, but um, I still like I got on the internet. I got to play with Windows 3.1 and stuff. And I'm I'm still a youngin compared to most people. Some people would be like, I was on a BBS or something. I was not old enough to be on those things mm-hmm. at that time. Not like, but like four year old me does not know how to log into BBS. Okay, right. <laughs> and, and so all of that. But I got I, I got on the internet fairly early on. Pa- Fifteen parents gave me unfettered access to the internet, which means I got to see all sorts of things. I got to go all sorts of places. I got to learn about computers, security, all sorts of crazy stuff wonderful places yeah exactly <laughs> and this is back in the the age when the internet was a little bit more wild like it's calmed down and it's, it's a lot more but like the days when when it's like hey i made this thing and i'm gonna slap it up on new grounds or whatever and you're just like okay new and now yeah wow. and now right Ooh, well i mean it's coming it's coming back to some degree now that tumblr's dying but um yeah or or stuff like that where people were like you know hey i made these i made this website and you know you'd go read somebody just posted a random bunch of text files up on a on a domain somewhere and the only domains were .com and dot you know .com and .net and .gov and good luck getting a .gov or dot you know whatever mm-hmm. and the the internet was still not a place that you could ever trust for resources and all that kind of stuff now you know Amazon was still like a pretty blank web page. So it's thing. like Craigslist or eBay yeah, or something. Exactly, I don't exactly. get it. What's um, Amazon? Net, you know, Navigator kind of Netscape Navigator, early Netscape Navigator kind of thing. Ask Jeeves, which we gave a shout out to exactly. before yeah. earlier today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Back when search engines had mascots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ask the search engine your question. But anyway, so I did all that. Learned a bunch. Um, went to college for computer science. Was like, I want to learn the tech stuff. Actually, tried to get into a computer security class which was not what I expected from the class, but I still learned a lot. Um, but we ended up starting the CSU security, security uh, team or the security group, club, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they actually compete in competitions like CCDC. Um, they go to places like DEF CON. They do stuff like that. Um, so we actually threw our own CTF once. Yeah. Nice. That's I've, I've learned a lot about it. I've, thrown, I've helped out with like three or four CTFs at this point in my life. Um, so did a bunch of that and then uh, was working for a company, didn't really work out. And they were like, you should come work for Coal Fire. And so spent some time as an auditor, spent some time as a pen tester. And now here I am. Nice. So um, Puppet, Ansible, Chef, all those different things. Salt. Do you have a favorite? Because I don't know anything about any of them. I yeah. worked with Ansible a little bit one time um, for a project. They're different. 
Um, they're used differently. I've I've found we used we've used Puppet here before. Um, Ansible I haven't used, but I've heard good things in combination with Puppet. So Ansible reaches out to things. Um, the difference is like you have a read write model, right, or a read model, or a client model, or server model. Mm -hmm. So like for instance. Puppet reaches back to the server, and then the server talks to the client, but the, the, the entire thing is client-driven with Puppet. Uh, Salt is server-driven in, in our way. I think you can make it client-driven, but the, the server reaches out and talks to the clients. Ansible, um, I know, Ansible is like all is SSH. It's, it's all SSH. It's all the server reaching out to the client. So, like, pushing things with Salt and, and pushing things with Salt and Ansible, really easy. You want to run a command on 50 computers, 100 computers, 5,000 computers at the same time? You can do that really quickly with Ansible and with Salt. You cannot do that easily with Puppet. Now, on the other hand, um, like, for instance, for drones or something, like a remote box you install on a system out in the distance, drones is our name for those. Um, Puppet's actually a lot more useful because it'll call back when it's online because we have no guarantee of when things are going to be online. So if, you, if your system's only online for 10 minutes and you have a 30-minute window, it's very possible that that system will never call back and therefore never apply updates or something like that. So for a configuration management, it really depends on your situation. There's not a good answer. It's whatever fits your situation. Huh, right on. So uh, speaking of the drones, yeah. are there any sneak peeks you could give us on what might come mm. next for our drones? Because Desmond is pretty recent, your baby boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, so oh, basically we build this whole system to basically make these remote systems go out and fix themselves or, and, and install and be able to pen test with them. They're just like nooks, right? Like Intel nooks? They, yeah. So, so you, when you're pen testing, most of the thing that you need is you need a, you like, we don't, you don't want a pen tester who's going to fly everywhere all the time, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, there, are, there are, and I don't mean this in like, you don't want one, this is bad, but like, <laughs> more of like, as somebody, and I worked as a pen tester, um, life sucks when you're spending all of your time in some hotel. Yeah. Like, you spend, I've noticed that my personal limit is about once every, th once every month. I was spending, I was flying out to a client site once every month for about, uh, for about four or five months. Mm -hmm. So I would spend a week out of every three, or out of, out of every month on client site. And you, you realize really quickly that when you do that, you don't have a personal life. Mm -hmm. You don't have a social life. You can't set up, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the dentist or whatever. And it's all of a sudden like, am I going to go to, am I going to go to Peru at this all of a sudden? Instead of, hey, you know, I can actively have, you know, I can actively have friends. I can actively plan on my future. Um, and so the, the idea behind a drop-off device is really to prevent that because if someone can get into that device and work from that device or do something with that device, then they don't have to spend all of their time flying. And on top of that, it's cheaper for a customer because a customer can, mm. you know, do something like, the customer can do something like, you know, hey, drop this in your environment. We don't have to pay for housing. We don't have to pay for flights. We don't have to pay. So instead of paying, you know, two or $3,000 for a person to come on site for a week, you can just, because, I mean, these things are never chosen. You know, hey, we're going to do this six weeks out when all the things are cheap. It's last minute. Hey, you're getting on a plane next week, and now you have to pay for a hotel room that's been jacked up. You have to pay for a, for a car that's more expensive. You have to pay for that. And so instead, you know, hey, I'm going to ship you this thing. You're going to plug it into your network. It's going to call back, and life is going to be good that's a lot easier so um, a lot of things we're working on is on the back end we're trying to make things more stable we're trying to think make things cleaner we're trying to integrate drones and virtual systems and physical systems more um Kali's a great os in some ways and a terrible one in other ones i love like i love what off offensive security's done it's hard to it's it's hard to well it's, it's yeah no no so, it, but it's hard it's hard to build an opera a, a distro like you never think that it's super like you never think of how 
much work it takes to run a distribution of Linux until you actually start <laughs> trying and stuff like that. But packaging things, bug testing, doing all of that work is really hard. Mm. And we don't know. And, you know, as a consumer, you don't think of those things. So I got to give offensive security major credit for running a pen testing distro because it's hard. Right. But at the same time, I've had some times where I've really got like we are regularly filing bugs for things like uh, the ISO build their their ISO you know build distros break because like when you update a kernel on Linux, mm. you have to update all the modules. But if your modules in your in your installer and the kernel that it's pulling down and stuff don't match, suddenly you have problems. So like trying to fix stability on those and make your virtual devices and your physical devices look the exact same from a, from a perspective because installing on client sites different from installing locally um, is a lot of the things we're working on. Do you have like a favorite distro of of, of Linux, Linux or, or Windows? What's your preferred uh, OS? What do you I, use? I prefer Linux personally. Okay. Um, uh, Win 10 has had some major, major issues in terms of updates, breaking things and, and stuff like that. And like, for instance, the, on my, on my laptop, I bought a laptop and the, the audio driver would break any external audio from working. So if there was any Headphone external audio, speakers. anything, plug it in, it wouldn't work. The only thing that would work is the onsite because the driver, the audio drivers for the computer were busted. And I uninstalled the audio driver to fix it. And Windows reinstalled the audio driver before I had a chance to fix it. And so I couldn't fix the problem because Windows was trying to be smarter than me. Nice. And I'm like, dude, I, I got this. Please stop. <laughs> and it's like, no. That's so, the one thing that really bugs me about Windows 10 is like it's impossible to totally get rid of anything because Windows Update will just give it back to you. Like I found this PowerShell script that's supposed to get rid of Cortana. I nuked Windows, Cortana and yeah. it was back in an update. And I'm like, I don't want Cortana. <laughs> yeah. I do not want Cortana. Just and I don't, don't want the little Castle Crashers ads constantly. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need I don't need random applications. Yeah. I don't need random applications. Okay, I do want Minecraft though. I do play Minecraft. Yeah. But I, no Candy Crush. I don't, I don't want, I don't want crush, random yeah, applications installed on my computer without me installing them yeah exactly um and so that's why i like linux is because it tends to be a lot more hey you're gonna do this thing you know do it on your own what um, flavor though do you use like arch i use arch you use arch i use arch all right I use Arch for my, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I use Arch. The, the, those people who are like, I use Arch too? There, there's like five of us. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Ooh, I Bryce use uses Arch. Arch. Yeah. Victor uses Arch. Yep. Marcello uses Arch. Arch. I use Arch. Right, right. I use Arch yeah, for okay. Those are the big names. All right. Oh, the big <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But then um, I use, I use uh, Debian generally if I'm looking for yeah. a stable server. Yeah. Mostly because we don't want to pay for Red Hat. Yeah. Because Red Hat. Why not is, just like CentOS? Um, I mean, it's still owned by Red Hat. It's still it's still pretty much Red Hat, but it's like the and, free one, right? Well, yeah. The other thing is is that uh, Cali's a Debian uh, Debian yeah. spinoff, yeah. um, so it actually pulls from the Debian SID archives. Um, and nice. so since it pulls from Debian SID, there's no reason for us to run two separate Linux flavors that have drastic differences in them. Like for instance, you know, Yum versus Apt is I'm sure the easiest mm -hmm. one to mention. But then you start getting into like, well, this one manages this, and this one manages this. So this is you know, this one uses network manager and this one uses you know and this one uses network system d yeah, versus right. yeah the system d network or whatever it's called and so you end up getting all these things where it's like these you start having to try and juggle two distributions in your head if everything's the same distribution then it's really easy i apply an update this place i know it's going to work here and here and here not just i install this one package this one off here and then i have a completely different thing that i have to provide for the pen test group nice yeah i uh i use debian Usually like same thing that you said stable mm -hmm. just because like if I have like a VM that I just always want to have something easily accessible Linux I use Debian Debian's got its problems. Yeah, um, I mean every distro does I could I could list off problems with 
probably every distro in terms of things that I've I've experienced as a user. Except for Arch. Arch is perfect. No, I've definitely experienced it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually don't use Arch anymore. The first time I had to reinstall my computer after doing a Pac-Man, a Pac-Man update, and it just broke the entire computer flat out. Yeah, Pac-Man SYU. Oops, it's broken. Pac-Man SYU, why do I have a black screen? Yeah, why is nothing? <laughs> the power button's not responding. No, so, so, so that was actually an issue. I had an issue where I, upped, I Pac-Man SYU, I rebooted the computer, and the computer stopped functioning because the kernel had switched which order it was loading the screens, and it was loading the, <laughs> this was a laptop, it was loading all of the screen to the, uh, to the VGA output on the, on the computer <laughs> instead of loading it to the actual screen so on the, the system. Plug in an external so if I monitor. plug it into a screen, it'd work fine, but I could never get it. And they, I had to revert the entire kernel in order to fix that. Good old R&R. Yeah. yeah. So, so, stuff like that. Fun. Yeah, but yeah, those are the two that I use, but at the same time, that's mostly because that's the thing that works here. So we talked about uh, Sagita support or Sagita. Sagita is that how it's pronounced? I, um, I'm, I'm going to guess Sagita. It, no one's ever told me. It like I've never talked to somebody about like how do you phonetic, pronounce it? Yeah. So it makes it's, sense. I think it's a Greek god. Oh, yeah. oh, like Sagittarius. Or, or, yeah, that makes or something. Sense. It's, yeah. it's something like that. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's it's a reference to old mythology. Maybe it's like a horsepower pun because like Sagittarius is like a could horse, be. right? Could so be. It's I don't like I don't remember. It's something we'd have to look up. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up. Well, okay. Maybe we could put it in post. We could do like there a little. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Just monologue it and post. Yeah. It turns out that this means. <laughs> so what about Nessus support? Like, uh, have you ever had actually, to Actually, to them? be really honest, Tenable's been pretty solid. Tenable, that's right, yeah. They've yeah, been pretty good. Tenable's been pretty solid. Um, honestly, I haven't had a big problem with support from any of the major companies that I've worked with in terms of pen testing tools. Nice. Um, there's definitely like there's some things you ask for this thing and they're just like wow i mean and arguably there's there's decisions that some companies make that kind of frustrate me for instance tenable's decision with 8.0 to get rid of the api and remove multiple users that really because they're and it makes sense i mean they're trying to push their users towards um using things like uh using the cloud and stuff like that and and this is not the this is not necessarily something you know they want people to push towards tenable io and such but at the same time, as somebody who runs it, the amount of weird things I've done, like writing, um, like writing uh, Selenium scripts in order to do things, because it is kind of API annoying. won't work. Yeah. Well, for instance, like one of the things that happens is like you want to pen testers. You know, you you may need a, a Nessus license now, mm-hmm. but you know you don't always need a Nessus license. So being able to divvy those out is really well is kind of a confusing thing. I bet dealing with Desmond getting that set up was a interesting well, challenge. So. There's a Nest, there's a Selenium API there's a Selenium script I've actually written to help fix some of those problems to like help manage our licensing and stuff like that for the people who are actually using it. Nice. And the drones because like drones you know I have this drone I image the drone I install I install Nessus on it it goes out and does it does its pen test it comes back and we pretend to take this system and suddenly I have the system that is now it has a Nessus in, a license installed on it and I want to reinstall that Nessus license onto the same device. And then ship it out again. But I don't want to touch that device as much as possible because if I spend an hour re-imaging a drone, we're over 200 devices at this point. So, yeah, between virtual and, and physical devices. I don't want to spend an hour. I don't want to have to spend an hour re-imaging this device. So anything I can automate out of that actively gives me time to make improvements instead of just working on the same device. So I had to write a Selenium script to go out and reset the license form because there's no way to do that inside of Tenable's env- environment. <laughs> So that therefore I could then re, uh, so therefore I could re apply that to the same hardware. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. So so stuff like that is stuff that and 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 stuff like that is is stuff that I've had to work around 
And I've been asking Tenable for a while for an API so that I can just reset my licenses. I don't have to work through that, but that's not something that they've been necessarily all that interested in providing. At the same time, the support that Tenable itself has given me is really good. I even get, when you talk to them in person or talk to them over chat or something, you get a real person. You don't get like, mm. you don't get like, you know, there's no robot involved in the beginning. You get someone who's located in the US and is, isn't just necessarily reading off of a script or at least someone who isn't necessarily reading a script. They may not be based in the US, but it's actually really nice because I've had conversations with the person where I was able to actively talk through the issue instead of just their, their responses being, you know, these canned responses that they, they're reading off of a script. And that's a big issue that, you know, I'm happy doesn't happen there. Have you had to deal with AWS support too much? Other than uh, like the some, occasional... Some, but not tons. No? Okay. No. Um, most of the thing we stay away from AWS because their rules on pen testing used to be much more draconian. So pen testing out of AWS was a lot harder. Nice. Yeah. Um, you do like Linode too and stuff. We do Linode or Linode. I have no idea. Once again, some, nobody's ever told me how <laughs> it's you always say it. in writing. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. But they've been solid. Like their support, their support. Uh, it used to be um, that their support would answer you pretty much guaranteed within like three minutes of sending a ticket in. Dang, um, really now nice. it's still like within an hour. Um, most of my tickets have always been responded to. They've always been super courteous. Uh, the, these companies actually do a really awesome job. Nice. That's good. So, um, as far as like you get you guys, you you and Luke. Yeah. You manage just the pen testers, right? Or no. do you manage other people outside of pen testers? manage way more out than outside of pen testers. And this actually causes problems because some of the pen testers don't realize that they're not the only group we support. I didn't support, realize that. We support pen test. <laughs> yeah, we, right. support, we support the scan desk group or the, the, they've got a new name now, the... Uh, Coal Fire One Scanning Services. Yes, you got it. So yep. Bex uh, told me the, that a few times. Yes, so uh, Coal Fire One Scanning Services. So they do that, uh, or what we do, do that, what do they we support do? them. Um, they do like uh, ASV scans. ASV like scans. Oh, so okay. PCI requires that you not only get a pen test once a year, but also that you get four scans every year as well that are just like, hey, here are the vulnerabilities you have, and you've got to fix those. Okay. So you actually are required to do basically antivirus, anti-vulnerability scanning once a year, or four times a year, uh, once a quarter. Um, so you do that. Mm -hmm. um, but they do all of that work and they also validate those scans and make sure that those things are patched correctly. It's another part of, of being secure mm -hmm. um, in terms of PCI. Um, I've heard that they have a lot more like a consistent long-term connection with clients than the pen test team does. Do. Like they'll, they'll they, interface with the client throughout the year. They whereas... do. They inter well, they're required to do four scans a year. So there's yeah. that. And then additionally, on top of the four scans, you have the remediation section. So uh -huh. they're, they're actually required to have a certain certification in order to do that. And uh, in order to do their jobs, and then on top of having that certification, then they have to spend they, they spend their time talking to the client. The client provides you know proof of remediation. They do that. We also work with AppVal, who are the guys who do uh, credit cards machines. So the guys who actually like will get a you know car wash kiosk or something like that, and they have to validate that it fits PCI's um, standards for that in order to be deployed. So you actually have they actually have testing that's done on like you know you go to a grocery store like a Kroger or something and mm -hmm. they have the they have the the scanner that's sitting on that table something like that. We do a lot of work involving those two. We oh, have a really? team that does that work. And in fact, at one point we were I think one of the largest houses doing that work. Um, I think in the U.S. possibly larger. Um, so we did that as well. Uh, we work with those guys. We also work. Um, trying to think of who else we've worked with uh cyber engineering at all cyber engineering we are actually part of engineering so that's oh it. Okay. so we work with the cf1 guys and all that kind of stuff as well but we aren't necessarily focused on their stuff but i think those are the major groups and forensics 
We work with the forensics guys okay. who do forensics engagements. The, the like two forensics guys. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean they're they're there, but yeah. we we do support them in order to make sure that they're taken care of as well. So we actually support four different departments, and most pen testers don't realize that we're not just the we're not just the pen test guys. We actually mm-hmm. support a lot of guys at Cross Coal Fire. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. And do you guys have counterparts at other offices, or is it just it's you and just Luke? Me for... and Luke. Wow. Goodness That's crazy. Crazy. So we yeah. just moved to uh, we just when we moved into engineering. Now now we have another gentleman who's working with us. Uh, Noah Burnell up in Noah up Burnell. In, uh, I feel like I've seen his name recently. I'm oh, working with the engineering guys yeah. right now for the Black So he's he's, he's working with Joe. Joe. Pierce. I don't know Joe. Okay. That's fine. Um, Maybe but, not. But uh, so we're all now part of the same team. Nice. And so we're taking on some of his lo- workload and he's taking on some of ours. Cool. And uh, I mean, you guys have moved desks so many times too, along with all the department I mean, moves. I mean, like besides since- moving offices. <laughs> There's probably about seven or ten or seven or eight oh moves in the, four, in, the, in the six years I've been here. Yeah. And I've the, moved apartments four times now. In the year and a half that I've been here, I've seen you move desks four times now, yep. I think. So it's just. As, there's, there's, as I said, I've, I've been in four different departments. I just kind of get shuffled along depending on the politics at the moment. Let's throw Josh that way. Well, no, no, that's actually to some degree because when you don't want pen test is a department that makes money um, and and is based on you know you your pen testers are consultants, so therefore you have things like remediate or not remediation, but um, um, uh, efficiencies. And stuff like that, and how you know, and utilization percentages, and someone who's sucking forty hours of non of non production time out every single week can cause your department major problems. So we've been moved into uh, other departments and all that kind of stuff because in order to basically because in order to make statistics a little bit better. Wow! Like we uh, got to make this department's numbers come up a little bit, so well, we no, got to no, move no, Josh no, out. Not necessarily <laughs> that, but like for instance, you just you don't want um, you don't necessarily need non. Um, you don't necessarily need people who are doing that because it screws up your metrics. Yeah. And who, I mean, metrics are basically how a lot of companies run things nowadays. Like uh, <laughs> metrics are a huge portion of how they run things. So I was, uh, the first time I heard that, that, that like stigma behind it being a, a leech to the company was yeah. I was working at an it help desk and, uh, a guy called in to get his password reset and one of his, or all of his security questions, the answers were something along the lines of like IT does not provide value to the company. And there were like five security questions. Like what was your first car? Yada, yada. And every answer. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's not necessarily true. It's something that actually drives me nuts about IT departments. Um, that most people think that IT departments are actively going to take money from the company and they're going to, um, but that's not necessarily true. What you do is IT, when done well, provides efficiency, I mm-hmm. feel like. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you know, I'm not an IT manager. I'm not a high up, high up, you know, VP or IT or anything. But from what I've seen is that a lot of people who think that way just don't just think of the company in terms of dollars in, dollars out. And what if you do IT, I mean, think about it. If we didn't do the drones, right, then you guys would be flying oh to yeah. client sites That'd every week. Um, you're not going to be as efficient if you're literally flying to a client site every week because, you know, how, how do you, then you've got, you know, wh- where do I take admin time? Where do I, you know, now I have to deal with, and, and on top of that, the money that's going out in terms of expenses um, is, is a fair chunk too and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and turnover would be higher because that's a lifestyle that can kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the road warriors got to give them credit. That's a heck of a job I couldn't do. Um, but so because of all of that, you end up with a uh, guy, you end up with all that. And so by providing drones, by providing some of these systems, we actively make you guys able to do your job better, easier, efficienter, 
happier. Mm. And that's the places where IT affects the, affects the company. They don't affect the company on, yes, I don't make the company money actively necessarily, but all of these other benefits make the company money because basically insert money, output, output efficiency. Well, it seems yeah. like you create the platform for right. us to make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why if you have a good IT company, then they can keep stuff in line and then you actually, or a good IT department. And they can keep stuff in line, and then you have a per- then you have people who are happier and faster doing their thing going out the other side. It sounds like it's similar to what um, Victor and Bryce and all those guys were saying about R and D. Yeah, like R and D doesn't directly it's not directly billable to a client. So a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't make us money, and they have right. to go and prove like, okay, look, if we're doing this, then this is happening, and then this is happening, and that makes us money. NPK is not going to make us money by designing and because building NPK. We're not making money. Yeah. But what we are making is we're making a, a situation where it's a lot easier to run a lot of um, a lot of password cracking and do a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it builds, it builds, you know, we've got some open source software out there. That's kind of cool. I, there, there's definitely a level of cred that comes with, with giving back to the community. Yeah. People um, are going to use NPK at right. their company and be like, oh, who makes that? Coal fire? Right. That sounds cool. And, and so yeah. there's a lot of things that R&D or IT or these departments that, 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 that don't actively, you know, make you money do that builds your business and your brand in other ways. So I got a question. Yeah. If you had like a month. To just work on, and you didn't have to deal with like the day-to-day IT support stuff, just to work on like a project for Coal Fire to, to help increase. Like if you had R&D time, dedicated month of R&D, what would you do? Or like, a, I mean, if you don't have like a direct answer right now, what sort of like path would you follow? Um, I would be working pretty heavily on trying to make it easier and more secure to connect to things, um, to build things, to... Hmm. You can, you can, it's really easy to stamp things up. It's really hard to build things securely and, and maintain them and do that kind of stuff. Um, and so I like a lot of the directions we're going. Um, I probably would put a lot more work into Desmond in terms of, which is this, this dashboard that I've built and I'm working on to try and maintain our offsite stuff. But at the same time, right now it kind of, I feel like it doesn't provide enough value to you guys. Um, I mean, it does Nessus updates it, or things. It does the statuses of drones and stuff, but we could do so much more with it. You could control access to servers. You could, you know, hey, I need to get this. You could, you could control resource allocation. You could control, oh, that'd be cool. you could hook it into, you know, hey, how do I make this so that I put passwords so they get cracks and stuff. The thing is, is that our entire job is to basically make people more efficient, more better and, and faster and all that kind of stuff. And that's really awesome. But those efficiencies take time and stuff in order to build out the infrastructure behind them, and that's what I'd really like to do. Hmm. So that that would that that's my end goal is to basically try and make your guys' lives um, as easy as possible. Because then you guys, you know, if you guys spend if you guys spend ten percent less time on a pen test because it's easier to write a report and it takes you hmm. you know less time to write the report, then that means that you guys are happier because who wants to write reports? reports I would suck. love a better report generator. Reports well, suck. Then um, I don't know. I don't know a lot of. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a lot of. Yeah. I don't know a lot of. Um. I don't know a lot of auditors who are like. You know what? My favorite part of the job is is sitting down and writing the report, and especially for like the the guys over in in, in um audit in, in in the you know the guys who actually do go work in these things. Um, they don't necessarily. You know, they they'll spend months writing a three hundred page report. Mm. Um, on a company's security posture, and if you can, if you can take that and make it so that they don't spend, they spend three, two months instead of three, you have literally made like. Then you can go on to another project, and you're, and you're faster and more efficient, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I want to ask you something yeah. more on your 
personal uh, life because um, when I asked yeah. you to do the podcast, yeah. you told me about your your op opsec. Uh, I was going to ask philosophy. about the same thing. That's funny. And do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, <laughs> because... So I don't generally use. Are you talking about my my dislike your... of of social media policy? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't use social media. Now why why don't you use it? Um, because I did some pen testing early on for some large companies. And was able to easily pull down badges and way more personal information than I ever should be able to. And people just give that information out for free. Now, what do you mean by like you're able to pull down badges? Uh, I was able to pull down things like like copies of people's badges for companies from their intern programs. Um, and then I use those pictures to form badges for a later red team. Wow. Okay. And, so like and then personally on top of that, like, you know, it's really, it, it, you are, it's amazing how much personal information people are willing to give out for free. They like talking like, about themselves. Yeah, it's like, it's all that kind of stuff. It's like, you want to talk about all this stuff. It's like, there's not a lot of pictures out there. Um, but like, you know, hey, here's me at the, here's me at the park. Here's me doing this. Here's me doing that. Eventually people are really easily able to build, you know, hey, this, this is what this person's about and all this stuff. You want to know, uh, the, the easiest way to explain it is if you don't know what um, the product is, if you don't, if you're not actively buying the product, you are the product. And yeah. so like, I mean, think about the Cambridge Analytica scandal that just happened with Facebook. Think about, and it's still going on with Facebook. And think about, you know, how many times that you, people have been breached or things like Equifax being breached or something like that. Mm. With that amount of information, I mean, I don't know, most people's computers are not, or most people's emails and stuff are not all that secure. Um, you answer a couple of security questions, you get in. Um, and that's super, 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 you know. Not hard to get past when you have all of those answers available on your Facebook. What's page. your dog's name? And exactly. it's like you can check their Instagram. Yeah. Like, Here's a picture of my dog. You know, hey, Facebook has built a family tree of me, and one of the major questions that's asked is, What's your mother's maiden name? Hmm. Okay, so now I can pull your mom's maiden name. I'll go check the county records of that area, and I've got your mom's maiden name because the, you know, it's because, you know, I've got the, I've got this record, you know? It's amazing. Just the amount of information you can pull from, from legitimate sources like a state is actually really incredible i went and all i had was the parcel number and i was able to pull the tax records for a parcel of land up in um another part of colorado wow. um and like who owned that land i was able to tell the names of every single person who owned that land but i personally and i never displayed a single piece of identification for whether i was supposed to even know that information um or anything of the sort um, the Colorado voter registration is currently available online. If you Google enough, you can find it. Yep. And because there's a dude from New Hampshire, I think it is, who posts all, who buys it every single year and posts it for free. Oh, wow. So your current address, as well as your political affiliation and everything else is available online for anybody to go look up and spam you with. Then there's like the county assessor. Like sometimes exactly. you can see blueprints for people's houses. Mm -hmm. um, and then whitepages.com. You just search somebody's first and last name in the city they're from. It'll tell you like their family, their phone yep. number, their actual address, their age. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much information you can pull about people. And, and so one of the things I don't do is I just, I'd rather, and on top of that, social media always kind of felt like a, it felt like a fake connection mm. because the person is like, they're posting out to 500 people, right? They're not trying to interact with you. Right. Um, and so why on earth would I, as a person, go interact with people like that? I'd rather interact with the people who, you know, I haven't heard, call you up because it's like, I haven't heard from you for a couple of months. Are you surviving? Are you okay? Are you alive? It's not the genuine. people who, not the people who are like, 
hey, look, you know, I'm going to post this on Facebook and and include fifty of my local of my closest people. Like, do you um, do you do Slack and Discord? And I, I will. I will com- converse on those. This is not yeah. necessarily social media. No, well, but there was, I, I will use chat programs, right? Okay. Because I will chat with people, and and I also understand that most of the things that I send over chat programs are probably not like, for instance, Slack. Um, whoever owns that server the, for for discovery purposes is going to be able to recover anything I say on Slack. You don't have a Twitter. I do not have a Twitter. Huh? You, I'm surprised you, know, you have one just to follow people. Like see? I don't. I don't even. I, I don't even know the last. I, I might have a Twitter account oh. left over somewhere in the like in the in the ether somewhere, but I haven't logged in in so long. <laughs> I'm not even sure if <laughs> the I do. Ether, yeah. That's a. Uh, I don't know. Like all this information that I've got about how easy it is to get information, like the white pages stuff, the county assessors, the voter record stuff, uh, marriage record stuff. Uh, learning about all that has just kind of had the opposite effect on me. Like I care less about opsec now because I know uh, just yeah. how. Uh, it's not even. How, yeah. It's hopeless. It's hopeless trying to protect yourself to some degree. But on the other hand, like why not spend some time just? I mean, the the goal of security. Let's let's face it. I mean, computers are inherently insecure, right? No one's going to be able to be like that. Computer is entirely secure because that's just not how it goes, you know. Someone coming up, and I think Neil deGrasse Tyson said something along the lines of, "We just need to start building computers without bug, without vulnerabilities." And that'd be like, really nice. That, that'd be really nice. That totally. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, not like people aren't trying. To right, do that, right. Right. But no so, more bugs. Come on. Yeah. Right. No more. No more vulnerabilities <laughs> yeah, in my computers. Yeah. That's that's. You fine. know what? You're right. That's a good idea. <laughs> Go but, to space. You, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But so, you know, that thing, yes. But on the other hand, what you do is you make it so that you are not the easiest target to attack. So mm-hmm. if you are not the simplest person to hit, then it's going, if you were, you know, if you do some very basic things to make yourself more secure and more and more and more of that, then it's not worrying about, okay, are the, you know, are these, you know, am I going to get hit? It's, well, now it's 10 times harder to hit me than the guy next door. So they're going to hit. It's like, uh, I mean, a lock is not going to stop someone from breaking into your house. If somebody really wants to break into your house, they'll break a window and get in. Sure. Um, and okay, so, you know, no matter what, there's going to be a way. You can get into anything given enough time and effort. Right. Um, and so, I mean, and that time and effort may be longer than the human lifespan or something like that. But you, it, given enough time and effort and by, by you know. So, so instead it's about making it so that you are not, a reasonable target to attack. So, yeah. so some of your personal policies. What are some of your rules that you have in place? Like no pictures was one. I do not actually. Yeah, I try not to have pictures, and this is clearly violating. That. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, that but I don't. I don't generally. There are not. There's. This is probably one of the few places online that you're going to be able to find a name of my, my name and my face link. Huh. Yeah. I don't. I don't generally do it. Your and name, thank John. You. Yes, John Wick. John I, Wick. I, I'm secretly an assassin. Um, no, no, but the but the the um, I just I generally don't uh, have. In fact, I think Coalfire has one picture of. Nice one. Oh yeah, I remember. Um, Daryl has a similar thing. He doesn't like doing pictures. Um, he he just puts like his logo on all of his his like uh, link stuff. The hate shaped man. Stuff. Yeah, the hate shaped yeah. man. Yeah. The man shaped like hate. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's the same exact thing. Is I just I just. And that's why. And so, as I said, I'm clearly violating that here. But I just I put my sweet roll thing on a ton of stuff, but not because I don't like people seeing me. I just I like the logo a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a brand. I like yeah. mine too. But yeah, so that, that's everywhere. most of it. It's just like it's really easy. I mean, like it's I have a LinkedIn. You can right. go and see. Hey, I work for Coalfire. Hey, before Coalfire, I worked for Kaiser Permanente. Hey, before that, I worked for CSU. But what you're not going to be is like seeing is like today I had three pieces of French toast <laughs> and you know hey you know this is my current girlfriend and this is my current da 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 that's not right. going to be something that's going to be easily found and 
all that kind of stuff. What did you do at Kaiser? Um, I was a ticket monkey. Oh, um, oh, that was the ticket yeah, monkey. Yeah, this, this is so I, I I signed up for the job <laughs> and it was not what I was told, and so um nothing. I'm not gonna really go on because I don't want to. I don't want to. You don't want to bash Kaiser. I don't want to bash anybody, but it was not what I was originally uh, expecting. You're gonna and get so mad I doctor. Up, that's connecting. why I got here. Nice. Yeah. Um, I had one of those bait and switch jobs too, um, and I, I'll, I'll talk about it. I don't think there's any more. I mean, I, I'm not scared. That happened no. to me. Too. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was for. Yeah. I worked at their corporate headquarters. When I got interviewed there, it was like cybersecurity technician. The interview was very technical. It was like we're going to ask you technical questions. You're going to be a technical guy. And then I get there, and it's a lot of like PCI paperwork. Oh. And I was man. like, this is not what I signed up PCI for. PCI is surprisingly paperwork heavy. Yeah. Like there's nothing it's it's surprisingly policy heavy and very and it's got some very interesting things that I noticed are not in the documentation. For instance, PCI wants your data secure, but they don't really care if your data is on fire. So like you <laughs> could have a data center that's on fire, but if nobody if the wrong people can't get in to hurt it, then that's totally okay. So like your data center meltdown, totally PCI compliant. Fire burns everybody yeah, exactly. and even the thieves. Yeah. <laughs> but but you can you can do some the, some of the regulatory frameworks out there are kind of like that where you can light thing you know you know this thing is protected but that thing isn't mentioned at all because but it makes perfect sense for PCI because like PCI is not com- not worried about if the data gets lost in a you know in a fire or in a in a mass wipeout or something like that that's totally okay because it's still secure at that point what they're worried about is your credit cards yeah as long as they're locked up with a seven character alphanumeric password you're safe I think it's eight. I thought it was seven most recently, and it was just I don't know. alphanumeric. I, there was no I, I case. Haven't, I haven't, I haven't read the PCI DSS in a long time. It's, oh. it's gone back when I was doing it. It was the two something. It was two something, and now oh. it's past. I think it's, I think it's like three point four now or something. It's like three or four now. Yeah. So, what are some things that people do um, that makes your job tougher? For, in, in what in terms of pen testers? It can be anybody. It doesn't have to be us. Um, yeah, no, no, but the, most of my job is spent man, managing pen testers. You want to bash management? Say about like how, how you no, don't like what they're doing? No. Um, no, fact, I would never. Well, they had to do a cold <laughs> like, like the biggest issue with this is that you're dealing with a unique environment. Right. Uh, pen testers are great. They're, they're most of the time super technical. Um, they, they understand a lot about this, you know, in terms of, in, compared to a normal user, like I'm not usually going to have an issue of like, my password doesn't work because I did, 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 did mm-hmm. and it's because they're fat fingering their password. <laughs> um, but at the same time you deal with a lot of problems like, you know, this one engagement is happening and the only way to connect to it is this really obscure method. And can we make that happen? And it's like, great. How do I one off a kind of a weird situation in a way that is not going to be insecure? Um, or how do I, you know, hey, this, this, we had a client recently who asked for us to literally remove the, the, uh, the, um, the wireless cards from the devices before we shipped them because they didn't want any wireless pen testing going on. And so we actually had to open the devices and remove them and then ship the devices. And then when you get those devices back, you have to remember to reinsert the wireless cards and stuff. Because mm. if those ever go on a wireless pen test again, then you have to, you know, I, I screw in a, in a radio antenna and it doesn't matter. It doesn't work. So you get things like that, or hey, can you can you meet this esoteric requirement that it has because every company is different, and you're trying to fit their security policy in mm-hmm. terms of doing things. But at the same time, you have to give your pen tester the access they need to do their job. And so we also get a lot of the thing like hack naked's a thing, right? No, the, 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 the term, yes, I know the shirts exist, but the term exists because hack naked basically means like don't hack with firewalls, with antivirus, with all of those stuff because you have the need to. Um, to do 
your work without a lot of these walls. Because mm. uh, if I send out a shell and it comes back and it hits my firewall when it when it does, if I send out a like say a reverse shell and it hits my firewall, and the reverse shell ends up not going through my firewall because I haven't allowed the firewall, suddenly my pen test doesn't work even though I'm doing everything right because I because this one thing in the way. And so you have to kind of juggle this. How do I make everything accessible as possible for the, uh, for the goal of doing this job? While how do I also make things as secure as possible? Because, I mean, you're doing a, secure, you're doing a, a, you're, you're doing a pen test on a company and you want to keep that company's information secure too. So yeah. what, what's kept you at Coalfire for six years? Or six, right? It's been interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, that's like, fair. No, no, that's it. Like, like. Oh, okay. Coalfire yeah. is itself. I mean, I've worked here. <laughs> I've worked here as a small company. I've worked here as a medium-sized company. I've worked here. We're starting to get to a pretty decent, decent-sized company. I've been through a company that has moved um, this office. I've seen a company that has opened multiple offices, including ones in other countries. Um, the company itself, my department, is about the size of the office that I was in. Like the like the pen test department is now the size of the like the entire team is about the same number of people that were in the office that I was in when I started at Coalfire. Wow. Um, so I have seen a lot of growth. I've done a lot of different things. I mean, I got a chance to do audit. I got a chance to do pen test. I got a chance to do um, to do system networking, engineering, all of those things. Um, I've grown a lot while I've been at Coalfire, and I've learned a lot. So that's most of the. Most of the reason is because no matter what, I, what it is, it's always been an interesting experience. I've always got, I've always gained knowledge. I've always, you know, I'm not staying stagnant, which is a, a problem. Like I see a lot of my friends, they go to the job and they end up sitting there doing the same job and there's not really a chance for advancement until mm. they move to another employer. Yeah. So that really kind of sucks, but I've actually seen a lot of things. When I came into Coal Fire, I was an associate, uh, associate consultant and now um, we're looking at rearranging and I'm hoping. Uh, that I might become a senior, but either that or I'm going to be a I'm going to be a, a senior or a or a um, or a engineer or systems engineer, a senior systems engineer or a regular systems engineer. That's a lot of changes in this company. I mean, I've been a pen tester, I've been an associate pen tester, and then a regular pen tester. I've been a DevOps, I've been all over the place, and I've learned a lot of different things. And it's never been I've never had to stop because I don't learn. So what's next? I mean, you said system engineer. What what would the next thing that you want to like tackle be? For that we have a lot of integrating to do a lot of integrating yeah like what do you mean like integrating the drones and stuff like you were talking about integrating the drones integrating um integrating the corporate and the lab side a little bit more oh um well so so you don't want to keep separate systems and all that you want to keep everything as standard as possible um and a previous a previous person in it somewhat segmented that out so could you come up a bit actually yeah yeah sure yeah, sweet um a previous person in it kind of segmented that out and so we're trying to we're trying to collapse the collapse it into a more into a more uh, cohesive infrastructure. Nice. As well as I mean, you get in, you you acquire companies and you do things like that. I mean, there was the Veris acquisition and all that. How do you manage all of these people's needs without? I bet that acquisition was a, a doozy to handle, huh? Yes. <laughs> that, that's all I'm gonna say on it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just a strong yes. I would be terribly made fun of uh, if I didn't ask you about Jo.sh. So. I actually want to know about JODSH because I didn't found out about it later. Oh yeah. my gosh! Have so, you heard about JODSH? Yeah, it is, it is okay. a script. It is a script that tries to that tries your to job, improve <laughs> improve VMs. Yeah, so, I have a copy of it. It's great. We'd like to integrate it more into the drones. Mm -hmm. We just haven't had the time. Yeah, um, but it is highly entertaining. 
Um, I just love the name. J-O.S-H. For, so clever. Yeah. But I don't entirely know what to make of it, but... Well, I mean, it's just, it's convenient that you have a name that ends with a file extension mm. for a scripting language. Yeah. So but is that why it was named that? Was because it was named that for me? Yeah, yeah, it was named, okay. yeah, it was like, okay, so like Josh does drones and VMs and this script uh, works does with the VMs. VMs. Yeah, so it was like, we'll name it because it's a bash script. It is a bash script. I don't it know does... how Daryl, he must have been like divine intervention to like tell that, him, name it Josh. That dude is a wizard in a lot of ways with yeah, bash. In very ways smart guy. Um, I'll write Python all day. I'll do all sorts of stuff, but not. We, we need to we want to get him on for we a bug need to do, win some sort of bet to get him on here. Does he not want to be on? We haven't really asked him too much. We I hit him up once and he kind of gave like a oh, I don't know type answer. So hopefully we can really we can win him over. The guy the guy is like we're ranked 80th in the world in yeah. um, bug bounty or whatever. Yeah, on, on, on bug, bug crowd, crowd he's, he's like, like really 80. high up there. Yeah. He, last year he made I want to say like six figures off bug bounties. Well, dang, you put that man's wallet on the on the yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's making money though. I don't know, yeah, bug bounty money. That sounds I, nice. I, I'll be honest, I'd love to get into bug bounties and stuff like that. I, I I miss pen testing. I miss the technical work involved in pen testing. It's a very different skill set than most people think to like for instance, as someone who did the red team, um, breaking into things and, and doing all that is great. And you know, you gotta know this whole skill set and you start getting into the deeper stuff, which is like how do I do how do I do um net or not networking, but how do I do um like how do I modify int codes and all that kind of stuff you start talking about working blue team and it's a completely different environment and most people don't realize that blue team and red team are so different you know people figure oh you're a pen tester you can totally run and uh, run a service and that's not necessarily true mm. because the making things stable making things all of that stuff and breaking things are very different i mean they're complementary skill sets having a knowledge of how something's made you know how knowing how to write a web app is great for knowing how to break a web app yeah. But if you know how to write a web app, that gives no guarantee that you're going to know how to break a web app and vice versa. Yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting in terms of all of that. I would say that's one of my biggest regrets in my career so far. But since I'm still pretty fresh early into my career, I can change it definitely. Yeah, but exactly. I, I just haven't had much blue team experience. Same here. It's, it's, it's a very, I, I would actually say that it's not a bad thing for someone who's on the red team to have some blue team experience. Yeah, I would love to get blue team experience, it's, but I don't want to leave my sweet red team job. Right. Uh, about, yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest, blue team doesn't tend to pay as well yeah i've heard it's that. really frustrating because really like, oh, yeah, yeah blue team blue team is blue team doesn't tend to pay as well blue team unless it's like very specialized but on, yeah like but on the other on the other hand like that's really sad because the blue team guys have some serious skills that the red team guys could really learn from and mm -hmm. on top of that blue team has some some specializations that red team doesn't ever think about like you, you have things some of the best pen testers i've ever met have come from blue team. Yeah, uh, Brad is really, really Brad, smart. Brad, like, uh, Ryan McDougal, Mr. Robot, guys working. Yeah, yeah, no, but Brian McDougal, who's one of the guys who worked with, um, who works with, I think, social engineering. Yeah, he's with social engineer yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, but he was, I think, one of the best pen testers I'd ever seen, and um, he would. And the thing is that he's also spent years and years and years being blue team, getting used to how blue team worked, and when he came into red team, that that knowledge really benefited him in ways that you wouldn't expect. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing I feel like a lot of people will jump straight into red team. It's more sexy and fun. It and is. Cool. Yeah. It is. But on the other hand, there's some serious awesomeness that comes with the things that happen in blue team too. 
When I was at uh, that Sands course in Virginia, there's. Have you guys ever been to a Sands thing, either of you? I have not. Okay, so uh, in addition to the class, some Sands events will have this thing called Net Wars, which is like a CTF um, that happens in the evenings after the class. Uh, and while I was there, one of the, like a lot of the challenges were defensive, like you were going through Wireshark stuff and yeah. like volatility memory forensics things. And uh, this seeing some of the blue team people that I was on a team with, like they were teaching me a lot about Wireshark. Yeah, I was like, I did not know you could do no, all Wireshark's this. Wireshark's got some really solid stuff. And as I said, like I miss I miss the red team because doing all this blue team is great. But there's also I've let my my red team skills have kind of slacked off. Um, I can't, I don't spend enough time red teaming to make my red team skills worthwhile. Yeah. Um, because, you know, hey, I, I don't, it's not like you can just walk out and be like, you know, I'm going to go break into a company and then tell them their vulnerabilities. You That's can't not have something two. that, you know, I really don't like getting hit up for the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, which is why I don't <laughs> do those things. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, five years in prison doesn't sound super fun to me. Well, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm just yeah, yeah. So, well, so like, like that's a skill set that's a lot harder to train when you're not in it. And mm -hmm. when, like, for instance, I have my OSCP, mm -hmm. I have my OSWP. Oh, nice. But I don't have an OSW or OSCE or any of the higher ones because, to be really honest, they don't serve me a lot in my career path the way mm -hmm. that it's going. So they're cool, they're sexy, I want one, but. They just, you know, paying the money and spend, spending the time is a lot of money. So I want to talk about that a bit more. Earlier you mentioned offensive security and how much respect and admiration you had. And Nate gave me a look and started laughing. <laughs> so I want, to, I want to revisit a topic from a previous episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw, but uh, we were talking about certifications yeah. and offensive security and the OSCP. And how the OSCP <laughs> is like the an industry standard pen test cert that everybody really respects. It, it is. It yeah. is. I would. I would agree. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially. It's especially a really well known given one. the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like the CEH. Ugh. Well, um, it's great if you're going. To, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna diss on the CEH. It's great for <laughs> what it is and the things that it's intended for. Yeah. If okay. you want, if you want to go work for a for a government position or something yeah. like that, the DOD or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then yeah, it's worth it. Is is it something that I would necessarily say you should go get if you're going to go work for a pen test company? Maybe not. Yeah. So the the conversation that we had before was about their other certs, like their wireless pen testing cert and their web app pen testing cert and the OSCE. Um, I made a statement that Nate deemed controversial enough to say like a, an outro. He was like, offensive security, we love you. <laughs> uh, I'm standing by it. I no. Yeah, I'm standing no! by it. I talked to somebody uh, that I work with, Eric Warfield. Down. Eric Warfield uh, at the South Denver office. You, oh, you can hit him up if you want a second opinion. He just, he just signed up for the uh, web app testing cert, and he told me the same thing I've heard from other people. Hey. It is PHP code review. That has not taught him very much. So wow, okay. All so right. the web app one, I can say I've heard multiple times now, uh, is not that valuable. I have some opinions on that, but I'm not entirely sure. Do you want them? Yeah, what I would love opinion? to. I would okay. love to hear um, your yeah. I think Offsec does a did a really good job on building out their stuff. Like for instance, the web the 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 wireless pen testing cert. It had a giant chunk of the book of the book is all about. Um, how to uh, is all about how the how PHP or not PHP but wireless pen testing works. And that's really good, but there's definitely it definitely could use a little bit of an update. Well, because it's all like you're still cracking WEP right for the OSWP. It's still WEP and WPA one. Uh, 
and PA2 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but on the other hand, once again, it's it's solid work for when it was written. Yeah. Um, it may need a little bit of an update. And I've heard and the same thing about the OSCE. That's kind of how that's and I, that I've heard the same thing. And I'm not I'm not dissing on those certs because to be really honest, writing a cert for a secure once again, yeah, I, I can't I can't much. I can't hate on offensive security at all. Because they do a lot of this and they do a lot of it for free. Yeah, like, oh my god. They Callie? do a lot of work for, for these things and they're oh, doing sorry. a lot to improve the state of pen testing. Yeah. Um, is it perfect? No, but nothing ever is. Yeah. Like you want to talk about, oh yeah, it's it's really easy, you know. Why don't you have these things that are important in your in your environment? It's like, have you ever tried to write a class? It's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but would we all agree that OFSEC is the pinnacle of, <laughs> of excellence? <laughs> and um, <laughs> I value my OFSEC cert pretty highly. Like what's I'm what's be better than OFSEC cert? Like I wouldn't say there's necessary. That's what I'm saying is there's not a lot out there that I'd be like. This is like, for instance, I wouldn't say that you know if you want a technical understanding of what you're doing, I'm not going to tell you this C- the CISSP or a right. CEH mm-hmm. or any of these other sorts are going to give you a better technical understanding. Is it perfect? No. But is it going to be a heck of a lot better than most of the other things? Yes. And it also, I will say, it does a great job of weeding out a lot of people who don't want to put the work in. They just want it. Like, the amount of people, I think, when I started my, my OSCP, it had a fairly large number of, um, or it had a lot of people who didn't make it through the entire course. I, I remember one guy I was talking to, and he was trying to do one of the programming challenges for it, and he couldn't understand pointers, and it ended up breaking him. To the point where I never saw him do the test. I never saw him again. He never popped back oh, on IRC. Man. Oh, no. Um, but, like, there were a lot of people who were really chill people who just, like, that. the thing is that one of the things it taught me that was really good was it just, it taught me to beat my head against a problem until it eventually got solved. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I had to learn as pen test. I could have had, I had a lot of the technical skill. I walked in and I, I went through the book pretty quickly i think the entire book's like what like 20 chapter or 20 pages or, like the oscp pdf that the, you did? Yeah, yeah there's something like that and i went through that pretty quickly but um the labs are where the, the labs the labs yeah. are the meat of it and the thing is is a lot of it is just spent like it's definitely not the easiest test because um you do have to spend a lot of time learning on your own and a lot mm-hmm. of people are very frustrated that it's not a it's not going to hold your hand through everything yeah. but on the other hand some of those lessons about not having to do those things is some of the places where it really, really, really shines mm-hmm. in terms of learning is it's, yeah. it, it, it almost, it teaches you a lot more about mindset. Even the, yeah. the, the technical stuff is nice, but the mindset part, and I don't think there's any other test out there that does that compared to the OSCP. Yeah, the try harder mentality, like exactly. definitely, definitely helps. And I feel like once, because once you get out of the course, you don't have any handholding. Once, once you're no, that's yeah. exactly you get and the ROE. You know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a new vulnerability that comes out. Congratulations. You have to figure out whether you can exploit it and how to exploit it and find the code and verify the code doesn't do something horrifying because that yeah. happens. Sending shells out to China. Yeah, or exactly. And yeah. so you have to do all of these things and you have to verify your tools and all of that. And, and you can't do that stuff if you don't have um, – you can't do that stuff without that mindset and without the, those skills. And that's, I think, where it really shines. The OSCP taught me about compiling. I had never, yeah. I didn't even know yeah. that compiling was a thing before I took the OSCP. Like the difference Did you between only interpreted, use interpreted languages. Yeah, at the that difference point? between okay. interpreted stuff like PowerShell and Python versus like C compiled C. into an EXE. Yep. I had no idea. I couldn't stand or even the fact that. that C is, that, that compiling C for Linux is different than compiling it for Windows. Yeah, yeah you have to and, do and certain flags that, and stuff. Well, and, yeah. and use possibly even different compilers. Yeah. Yeah. So OSCP so. definitely super valuable. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to like start beef with Austin. No, no, no. Like I have As a I lot said, of respect for him. I, have, I, I mean, have I wouldn't let res- that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a lot I have a lot of respect for the work they do. I mean, but that's the same thing. 
I guarantee there are people who deal with us that have the same exact kind of complaints. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, Coal Fire yeah. was good, but not the best. Like, that's fine. Well, well Never, not even that. Know. But Coal Fire was good. There's... It, but you know, there's these things that they could do better. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point yeah. of, an, of a of a survey after you do a yeah. pen test. Is, right, exactly. Okay, where did we do well? Where did we do poorly? Where can we improve? Because the goal of everybody, I, I, personally, the goal should not be to be perfect every single time. The goal should be I'm not going to fail in the same ways. Yeah, and, that's important. And, and you know, you can't win every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Josh, can you tell me a little bit about your involvement in Denhack and sure. how you got into that? Um, Denhack is a local hackerspace. Um, mm-hmm. Hackerspaces were what they called uh, makerspaces before makerspaces existed. Local to Denver, I yeah. think. Because no, we, no, we have no. people watching in Ghana. Oh, no, no, really? no, no. I mean, oh, no, no, no. Uh, no. So, the, yeah, Denhack is local to Denver. Um, but <laughs> hackerspaces have been around for longer than that. We, there was a hackerspaces.org, and that's actually where hackerspaces used to get listed. Makerspaces weren't a thing. Until fairly recently, I think it's been like the last five or six, ten, seven years. So there's a company called Make that like bought Make. It? Is yeah, that right? so Make, um, there's this company called Make. They run Make Magazine. Um, and they're the ones who coined and kind of pushed the term maker, make, uh, makerspace. They also, there, there was some major beef over that as well. Um, and on top of that, they, they run Maker Maker Fair. Maker uh, fair. Yeah, so big fair where all the makers, that's the term for the people, come and they show off the things they've done. There's these groups, you know, and, and all this. And so makerspaces and hackerspaces and all this are this kind of movement of people who are trying to learn to make things, build things, do things. It's, it's a place for people who are technically inclined to go learn, go experiment. Like we have a laser cutter. You want to go cut things with a laser, you can do that. You would want to print things 3D printer. We've got those. You want to lathe. We can do that. So if you want to go learn these things and you want to go be about these things, you want to go take apart a microwave and figure out that. Probably shouldn't turn it on while it's taken apart. But beyond that, you know, if you bring a microwave, we're not going to stop you from kind of taking it apart. Um, <laughs> Dude, but the thing is, it comes out with some really cool things. Some dude, one of the dudes that's there is actually building a um, a bike uh, generator that, while he's pedaling his bike, it automatically turns the lights on on his bike and actually makes the lights blink and stuff. That's right. Um, and so people are building stuff there, um, and it's this whole kind of maker hacker community culture. And so Denhex, the oldest one in Denver, it's or actually the oldest one in Colorado. It's been around for more than ten years now. Wow. Um, and that's way before that. It started out with an Arduino in a bar. <laughs> um, some no dude started just showing up with an Arduino in a bar, and I, and and uh, until eventually they formed a group big enough to actually start making a having a hackerspace, and um, so we have a hackerspace. And Whoa. you've been involved for yeah. how many years? Now? I've been part of it for five or six years. I was a board member oh, wow. for three. Board member? Yeah, I'm Look not at, at the moment. Um, I'm not at the moment because uh, other people wanted it, and I kind of believe that there should be new blood going through every once in a while or cy- circulating. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a spot on the on the on the board just to bench warm. That just seems like a waste. So did you know Scott like before Scott yeah, started? In fact, uh, Scott and I have known each other for about four years. I don't know if anybody else outside of this knows Scott, but uh outside, you know out in the in the in other countries <laughs> in ghana but yeah uh, uh that, that name's not gonna mean a lot but yeah actually you know, in fact, the reason he's here is because of, of den hack nice yeah yeah we're actually thinking about doing an episode at den hack recording and he's gonna give us a tour and we'll follow him around yeah. we talked no, to him uh, earlier today about that if there's if there's a thing in den hack um there's a good hand there's a good chance I had a hand in it. Nice. Um I have had a hand in a disturbingly large number of the things that are currently at Den Hack. <laughs> disturbingly uh, large. Well, so you you you're like, you know, you don't realize that you spent a lot of time and energy working on something like working on DEF CON or working on these things until like you look back and you go like, Well, that was me. Mm-hmm. And that was me. <laughs> and that I was involved in. And I built 
that. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. And then you start realizing that like you have actually had an effect on the world around you. You don't build an effect on things by doing big changes. All of a sudden, you know, it's better. You do things by slowly making these things. Oh, you know, this time we built tables. So this time we built, you know, we moved this. So this time we improved this, you know, this time I wrote this code, you know, it's like making a product. People think it's like, oh, you know, that person wrote, let's take, you know, some product, somebody wrote Metasploit in a day or or Meterpreter in a day, right? It's not how it works. You know, somebody, they they had the original idea. They built this original framework and then they chunk on this next piece because that makes life easier. And this next piece, eventually you have this big, scary program that is ubiquitous because it's so awesome but you know the the these 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 bits and pieces of it were added on gradually as the project grew and so den hacks a lot like that where you know i look back at it and i go like you know one weekend one one weekend we got annoyed at the fact that some of the tables were falling apart so we showed up at lowe's at 8 45 and bought a ton of lumber and they were so angry because they closed at nine and we were there until 9 30. um <laughs> and then we spent until 4 a.m making new new in stuff for den hack um on, on the fly because we needed to repair something and those things have, hold, have held up for four years you don't expect to spend, you know, you don't expect your work to be around for four years, but that was, that was a, uh, a spur of the moment. This is going to make life better moment that changed things. So where is it physically located? Because I never want to go into downtown Denver. And if it's in downtown Sixth Denver. Sixth and Calamath. It's actually, or seventh and Calamath to be specific. It's actually super easy. You get off right on sixth. It's right there. You don't have to go into like, you don't have to go into like Lodo or anything. Okay. It's actually, it's a five minute, it's a five minute you know, 30, it's a, I can usually do it in about two and a half, but I'm going to say five minute, um, jaunt from I-25. Have you oh, been there? Yeah. Okay. No, I've never been. Really? Have huh. you ever been? Yeah, I went. Yeah, it's, oh, it's super nice. easy. It's well, the day that, the day that this whole office was being rebuilt, uh, a Did lot of you guys, there? a lot of you guys went down to that office. Oh, no. I only oh. went with, uh, Scott. Okay. Then, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been. Heck, I, I was there yesterday. I keep an eye on Meetup, and I keep in touch with Scott and, like, a few other people that go, and they well, always have in, stuff that sounds fun. But if I you're, just, if you're in, if you're in South Denver... Um, it's not too far from you. I'm the, not in South well, Denver, Aurora. Though. Yeah, I'm in Aurora. So it, I mean, you're you're. It's in your corner of De- or in oh, your. Okay. It's in your section of Denver in that in that quadrant. I, I should go. The When's ta- the next thing happening? What's, uh, what's happening next? It's open. I mean, the next thing is Hack Den Hack on Saturday. But uh, I suggest going to an open house, which is every Tuesday night. Every Tuesday night. Uh, I'm gonna get Scott to give me the starting tour. at eight. Yeah, do that. I mean, everybody there. The thing is, the people there are really technically inclined. I would call them all hackers, even though they don't have security jobs. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's one chick I met there. She was all about prime. You know who I'm talking about? She she was all about prime numbers and like. Uh, this sounds yes. I think I know who you're talking about. She was very yeah. Very there's there's I mean there's there's a whole group. There's, and the thing is that the <laughs> groups cool, the people span huge groups. We've got people who work on blue team. We got people who work on red team. We have people who don't work in the computer security industry at all. We had one guy. You know, we have people who are looking to get into it. We have college students. We have people who work in electrical engineering. We have people who do. Um, we have people who do, who don't do any of these things for a living at all. Hmm. Um, and these people are just like, you know, web devs, people who are in the finance industry. Um, I mean, it, it kind of goes across the board. It's all more of the kind of person who's like, I want to understand how the world works at a deeper level. Hmm. And that's not something that you're going to see a lot of, Hmm. um, in the norm. Like you don't see a lot of in the normal, it's, it's kind of a bubble. You think, you think that this, that, 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 that a pen testing gig shows off hackers and that is i would say more hacker-esque yeah. than a pen testing gig ever will be because pen testers are not de facto hackers you were saying you i like when you said earlier about yeah. the difference between security professionals yeah. and hackers. well it's like 
You asked while we were off camera, and I'm sorry about this. Was that on camera? <laughs> yeah, that was off camera. Oh, you okay. asked me about why do I like DefCon more than I like B sides or DerbyCon? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm not. I like. I'm really sad that DerbyCon's ending, but I'm also kind of not. That's not my con, and the and it's not because I work for DefCon. Um, it's more of because DerbyCon and Black Hat are security cons. You go there, you talk about security, there are security companies presenting, it's all about security, security, security. But it isn't about hacking. Um, and I don't mean hacking isn't like sitting there in a dark room typing with, blue, with a green screen, or, you know, green stuff coming up in your face. Um, it's more of, it's not about, it's about, um, it's more about like the, the idea of understanding, right? DEF CON has a lot of contests. It has a lot of, of villages and stuff that teach you things. You go to DerbyCon. I went to DerbyCon and there were a lot of people drinking and a lot of people going to talks and there were companies that were selling things. And those are great. That is, you know, that's a pretty standard security con vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, Black Hat's the same way, right? Unless you're going to the trainings or whatever, you go in, there are people trying to sell you their things, show off their things. And, and that's great. That's awesome. Go those events. They're great for industry meetups and something. I went to, Def, to DEF CON and in the middle of the room, just sitting there, was a dude who was handing out, who had a, um, who had a bunch of uh, keypads. And he just brought the keypads in and he was handing them to people with a little guide on how to build them. And he was teaching people side channel attacks because he wanted people to understand how a side channel attack worked. So you built the keypad with the Arduino and then you hooked into the Arduino and actually did a side channel attack against the code that you wrote for the Arduino. So you understood how a side channel attack worked. Wow. And that was really a cool experience. That's super neat. You know, you go into DEF CON and you go into the wireless packet village and it's like, okay, we have a bunch of this wireless traffic going across the room. Here's a computer, sit down, running Wireshark, parse these things out, figure out where these vulnerability or what, what's going across the wire on this wireless network across the wire but yeah um, across the wireless yeah, across the wireless <laughs> network and, and and like here look we can piece together here's what a phone call looks like over this network wow here's what this looks like here you know you can here's and and it was really cool because defcon i don't go to defcon talks anymore because the talks are really cool i watch them afterward they're awesome um but the knowledge the going and learning from the villages from the from the contest, that's where I think the meat of DEF CON is. And that's why I prefer to go to DEF CON. If you go to DEF CON in the talks, I believe you're missing out. Now, oh, sorry. I oh, was, go ahead. I was going to say, what's, what's the difference in the experience between gooning for DEF CON and then just it's experiencing? It's a family. Like, goons are a family. In do a you lot of miss ways. out when you goon? Or? You do. Okay. Um, like, I don't get to go to, I don't get to comp competing contests because what contest? I can't. Like, you talk about the scavenger hunt, right? And one of the things is bring them a live chicken. Like, seriously, that was one of the things on one of the lists one year. And they got, like, three live chickens. What? Um Yeah. The, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the scavenger hunt. Oh, man, the scavenger hunt is all sorts of fun. Grab one of the scavenger hunt lists and read through it every year. It's entertaining. <laughs> oh, and God, a lot funny. of the things that cannot be mentioned on this podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. but like, 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 one of them was bring a flaming mixtape. So they brought in a nice. cast iron skillet. They set it in a pan. And then they proceed, uh, They set a mixtape in the pan, and they proceeded to douse it with lighter fluid and light it on fire. In the middle of DEFCON? In the middle of a DEFCON. Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> and sure they were like, put that code. up before it sets yeah. off the fire alarm. You win. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is like stuff like that happens at DEFCON. Um, and, and you have to, you can't compete in challenges like that. You can't compete in CTF challenges. 
Um, but can you go to the, the villages? Hand, you can. Like, you okay. get some of the time off to go do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't go spend a lot of time about out and about because, like, you're working a shift for eight hours every day. And what do you get from the experience? Um, you Goon. get a lot of community. I mean, obviously, uh, goons get, like, a free badge to DEF CON, and they get a couple of t-shirts to show that they're a goon so that, therefore, you're able to be spotted on con floor, and you get your hotel room paid for oh, and nice. a little bit of food. Um, but on the other, like, that's the, that's the physical things you get for gooning. Yeah. I mean, but that makes sense considering that you're literally spending your entire weekend doing service. You're right, not working. Um, but you also get this community among the goons where, you know, I, I, I go and I hang out with my friends every year that I get to meet once a year. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is a huge thing that you, I don't get to go hang out with like the friends that are like, you know, the hackers and stuff that I uh, haven't met. But you get to hang out with this family of people who all throw this event. There's a camaraderie there. I like that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to going. Have you, you've never been? I've never been. You didn't it, get to go yeah, last I didn't, year? I've this, never been to a con before in my life. This will be an interesting experience for you then. Well, B-Sides yes. Denver's coming up, and it sounds like B-Sides kind of Denver, it's going to be a... B-Sides Denver, I actually one. suggest B-Sides Las Vegas. If you want to go to a B-Sides too, if you go, it's right, it's between Black Hat and DEF CON. Like, it's okay. in that sandwich in that middle area, and the con, you go, you pay for the hotel room, and you get a free badge to the con. Excuse me. And they only have a certain amount of badges. Badges are free. Like, you don't pay to go into nice. Derby or into uh, B-Sides Las Vegas. You don't pay for entrance. You pay for a hotel room or as a sponsor, or you wait in line, and you get a free badge. Does B-Sides have badges like this? Uh, they're little toker chi- or poker chips, usually. Oh, okay. Toker chips, yes. B-Sides Denver, I think, was just like a typical laminated badge. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of worried about B-Sides Denver this year, guys. Why? They just sent out... So, okay. Did you go to B-Sides Denver last year? I did not. Okay, so B-Sides Denver last year, it was a little messy. Like, things didn't start at the right time. There were things that got canceled. Uh, there weren't any t-shirts. So, it was oh, kind of a mess. Oh, and the, the welcome to B-Sides talk that they did at the start, like, not the keynote, really, but like the, hey, everybody, welcome. This is what's going to happen. The lady started it off by apologizing for, like, five minutes about how it was a mess. So that wasn't a good sign. Mm. Um, and then this year, like, two, mo- <laughs> two months ago, they tweeted out, like, Hey, stand by. We're about to announce some stuff. Two months ago. Nothing's happened since then. And uh, just this morning, they posted uh, a bunch of new information. And a lot of it is like TBD, TBA. Uh, we don't know yet. We're working on it. Please be patient. It's hard. Yeah. I, I imagine putting a con, on a con is really hard. Yeah. You know, as someone who's worked a lot of cons, I think I'm up to... I, I, one year, I worked 12 conventions in one year. 12 in one year? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, but... Well, this includes being a vendor at a couple of them. It includes um, just helping out in terms of staff and being a grunt level staff. It includes all that. Um, But but, uh, going to cons and working cons, cons are a surprising amount of work behind the scenes. And it's a really thankless job. Well, and it's free, which is amazing. Yeah, but it's it's a thankless job to do the whole thing. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, besides, you have to find you have to find sponsors for everything. Yeah. It's not easy to find sponsors for. I need space. I need I need badges. I need people. I need blah. I need blah. Food. I need blah. Yeah. How do I pro- how do I provide all these things? Um, but you'd be amazed. I mean, um, the, have you ever watched the DEF CON 20 documentary? No. Do I've it. heard of it, yeah. Do it. Especially since you've never been before. Watch the DEF CON 20 documentary. Um, it's a great piece of work. Amazing. Uh, Jason that. Scott made it fantastic. Um, but the thing is, is that, um, and in fact, a lot of it, some of it was taken in Den Hack. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but um, with this whole con or with this thing, you don't realize um, how much they talk about how the fact of the moment DEF CON ends, we start 
we start planning for next year. That's not joking. Like I work a convention, another convention that is going on in September and I am already, I've already opened up, uh, opened up like call for call for talks, call for panels. I've already, we've already opened up all of these things. We've already, we've got plans for what places we're doing. We've already got like, we're buying. Yeah. We've been, we've been planning this stuff since January and that was in, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's like a major con or like this is this, I mean, it's, it's in the middle. Okay. Um, it's not a security thing. It's not a security. Oh, thing. okay, gotcha. So, but like you, you, you're amazed by you. You think you know it's super easy, but no, the amount of work that actually goes into putting a convention in, into place is actually fairly substantial. And and most people don't think about it. And you, as a staff member, staff members suck. I mean, I hear they say DefCon, like they're like goons suck. And you're like, on the other hand, like I had one guy, I think it was a DefCon 23 or 24, who was like, we don't need goons. We didn't need goons at the first DefCon, and I'm like. You know, the first DEF CON was 100 people, and now <laughs> right. we're at 25,000 people. Um, I oh think that was God. the number they announced like a couple of years ago. That's insane. Yeah, so something like and that. And it's believable. I mean, if yeah, you so, walk and now you're, you're and at see. such a larger number of people. You have to have security goons and all these other things because we're not dealing with 100. You, don't, you can't know every person at DEF CON. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? You make a good point. And I never heard another thing from him in terms of like <laughs> disparaging us again. Nice. But like a lot of people don't understand that like you are yelling for eight hours as a security goon or, you know, as a con, as a, as a person who uh, I run panels in another con, I am constantly telling people you need to get up against the wall and all this stuff. And the reason is not because I want to be an asshole and tell people that they have to stand up against a wall. Um, <laughs> I love yelling at people. Oh, yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> you learn how to be very loud, but not be mean. Yeah. Um, but the thing is more of is that it's actually a fire hazard for people to be sitting in the middle of the hall, but you can't tell people, hey, you're being a fire hazard. Like that's not, mm-hmm. you know, move, you're being a fire hazard is not considered good PR for a con. Mm-hmm. Um, We're all going to catch on fire. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> having to tell people, yeah, but like, but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you're really having to tell people. You know, hey, you need to you, you you controlling that large of a crowd. You think it's really easy until you do it. Yeah. So crowd yeah, control. I hope I hope the best for B sides Denver. Um, I hope but so I can too. also see you know it's hard. You know, I've been advocating for this. Hexacon needs to go public ASAP. Oh yeah. Oh, we need to 100%. we need to take Hexacon and make it B sides Boulder, and uh, you know, start start getting yeah. the dough and start you know. Doing I like that. how clean coal fire is. Like the design, the yeah. elegance. It's just such a pretty, and I'm a sucker for orange. Orange black. is a good color. Look no. at these Nerf guns. Orange, look at the black. jacket. I mean, look at the, yeah, my trash. Jacket. Just you so guys get jackets. I just have my DEF CON hoodie. You don't get or a cold fire jacket? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get the lab stuff because I'm no longer technically part of labs. I'll, I'll smuggle you something. Heck, I don't. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah heck, I don't even, I don't give my trip give to you. DEF CON paid. I pay my own trip to DEF CON. <laughs> Dang. Every year. Wow. That's brutal. Unforgivable. Well, our uh, execs are going to be hearing this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tom, if you're watching, what's up, man? <laughs> All right, that's Logan. He's yeah, that, that, that might be a little dangerous. Well, I'm not going to, like, you know. No. Strong arm. Strong arm. Oh, All right. We're going to keep that piece in, but just, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, that's just what happened. Yeah. No, I, I guess I get it. Like, because if they make an exception for you, then they got to make an exception well, for you. It's not even making else. an exception or anything. It's just when I stopped being part of labs, it wasn't a priority anymore. Yeah. So that happens. Yeah. It, yeah. It, goals are different. Like, you, you know, there's not a real big reason for the guys at, um, that are in, um, you know, in professional services or audit, that audit people or anything like that. Um, there's not a reason for those guys to be um, necessarily going to DEF CON. Yeah. 
What DEFCON are we on? Is it 27? 27. 27. Yeah. So yeah, so that that whole pile, the white ones are are um I didn't get the a white ones, to look at this one. Yeah, the white ones are uh humans and the red ones are goons and that one that you're holding right there. What is a whiskey pirate? A whiskey pirates is a group. It's kind of like a 303 or any of the other groups that happen within DEFCON. Um, that are um, kind of these groups. They were they usually rent out a suite, and they will do that. I actually have a DC Furs badge somewhere, but it's not here. I fried it. Yeah. I was I was trying to fix I was trying to fix a couple of dead LEDs on it, and I managed to overvolt or pour way too much voltage across it and fry the thing, and that made me super sad. I'm surprised you haven't seen some badges from Jim. Jim's got some sweet. Jim's badges. got some scary badges. Yeah. Like his ones mess with Bluetooth and stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Jim's got one badge that he actually let me borrow when we were at DefCon last year. It was thank you so much, Jim, if you're watching. <laughs> um, he it was like a dial-up phone, like a rotary phone that had contacts. You could actually like. If you press certain numbers, it would do certain things. So you could like mm -hmm. add friends by calling a phone number. Uh, yeah. Oh, and cool. dude, the the badges at these conventions is huge. You want to talk about a culture? Badge culture, badge life is a huge deal. There are people who build badges for the car hacking village. There are people who build badges for their friends. How do you? There get are people. Them? Uh, depends on the badge. Uh, so, some of them so you can them. buy. Some of them, like the car hacking village, you buy. Some of them you are gifted. Some of them you have to be part of a certain group to get. Mm -hmm. Some of them you have to, some of them, you know, are available for purchase in the dealer's room. Um, it all kind of, it's, it really depends on the badge. Um, I know, like, um, some of the groups flat out just, like, they only appear on Twitter. They, tell, they tweet out where they're going to be. And then if you show up, then you can buy a badge, and that's the only place you can get. But they just they appear and disappear randomly. Dang. Um, challenge coin culture is also pretty Challenge cool. coin culture. I mean, I've got – there's a couple of them on here too, like this yeah. one, which is one of the old goon-only goon challenge coins from 23. Right. And I, the thing is I've never been able to figure out the challenge that Lost put on it, which I, is kind of cool. I got my first challenge coin at that Sands class, and, and that yeah. was like a week ago. And then I got my second challenge coin today from Beck for Rise. So I'm just now realizing how sweet challenge coins are. They can be really awesome. I the only problem I have is now that I have a pile of challenge coins and I have no idea. I mean, they're cool. Like you can show no people. idea, especially yeah, like, people yeah. that are totally outside this like bubble. Like you said, yeah. they don't get like never heard of a challenge right. coin. And then like pushing is like check out my badge. What does it do? It's a Commodore 64. Doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Look, these contacts they light up. Yeah. Cool. Well, like for instance, <laughs> it was cool because like last year's badge was a giant. Uh, was a text adventure. And oh, like yeah, yeah. it has hall hall effect sensors and stuff on it, um, and like uh, you know, but the 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 couple years before that was a uh, was was a playing card, and the playing card had like hidden traces because it was a multiple layer PCB and all that. Hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all over the place. Hidden trace. Would you have to like melt part of the board? No. Off so if you actually like... hold it up to the light, if you hold it yeah, up you in front of you the light, it, yeah. you can see through but it. How to do the you traces. like connect to those traces? You don't. You don't. They're They're actually hidden clues inside of the PCB. Oh yeah, and so that okay. year they actually made a deck of cards, so you could actually, if you collected all of the cards, all the cards had different information on them, so you had to collect all the information for different, de for different stuff. Um, but all of the all of the cards had different information on them, and I forget what I have. I like the like the six of phones or something like that. Six and, of phones. Well, so the four Defcon the four Defcon items, but. Yeah, I think I think we're getting a little bit of high heavy into Defcon culture. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but yeah, so it's somewhere in here. I don't want to move around too much. It's in front of you guys somewhere. Huh. Yes, and that's, tight, man. that's a record. I'm excited. An actual playable record. Yeah, I'm excited for you to come to Defcon. Yeah, it'll be an interesting. It's a blast. Experience. I'm going for eleven days this uh, year. And 
Oh, are you going to Black Hat and DEFCON? I'm teaching at Black Hat uh, the Adaptive Penetration Testing course. I did course. that once. Yeah. Black Never again. Oh, you're teaching a class? Yeah, I'm teaching at Black Hat. And then, uh, I mean, I'm excited to teach. Yeah. I'm just not excited to be in Vegas for 11 days. Exactly. I, I want to go to days, 11 days killed me. Vegas Like, I was so the... done by day, I was so done by day seven. Yeah, Vegas by day four, you're like, okay, stop drinking. I got to stop eating all these fried foods. I got to stop, like, being out in the sun all the time, talking to people. Excuse me. After yeah. a few days, you need, uh, like, a day of just... Like detox mm-hmm. <laughs> to just sit in your room by yourself and stare at your ceiling and you're just like i don't need any more stimulation right yeah now. yeah mm. turn the lights i get off. i get done with defcon and then i usually I, I used to take my flight out at about 10 11 a.m the day after defcon and now i try to take my flight out at like 8 a.m the day after <laughs> defcon because what happens is i wandered i wander vegas for about two hours and realize how much i hate vegas <laughs> and because I'm, I'm there i enjoy the con but the moment that i'm done with con i want to be home yeah Vegas is a doozy of a city. Uh, one recommendation I have is, like, make plans to do stuff besides just go to the con. Like, you'll have plenty of time to go to shows, uh, to go out to, like, explore other places. Like, um, there's, like, uh, Penn and & Teller, and then, like, Cirque du Soleil. Like, make sure yeah. to have some time to at least go to a few of those while you're in Vegas. Spend, yeah. Especially if you're there for, like, a week I or personally more. disagree, but that's, that's my own personal thing. You just want to do all con if all the I'm time? A, if I'm in Vegas, I want to do con. And if I'm, and if I'm don't, not doing con, I don't want to be in Vegas. Oh, man. I loved, like, um, God, what was the name of that show? It, it's at the Spiegel Tent. It's like this... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the weird one that's, like, right outside of Caesars. Absinthe. Yeah, Absinthe, right yeah. outside of Caesars in this big circus tent. It's called Absinthe. That is a blast of a show. I, I would really yeah, recommend but, it. I mean, that, that's, that, everybody's got their own way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't... I don't it, know, you'll feel it out when you're you'll there. You'll feel it, yeah. And, and your first... I didn't really hit my stride, in, stride at DEF CON until my third year. It took me three years to figure it out. <laughs> what do I want to do while I'm here? No, no. Like, it didn't take... I, it wasn't that. It's like, I didn't actually have enough connections or anything. Like, I hadn't oh, been to enough yeah. things. And so, I spent my first couple of years trying to figure things out. And by year three, I'd finally figured it out. I got bodily pulled into a party. Like, somebody grabbed me by the shirt and yanked me inside <laughs> of a party. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that worked out really well. But, um, like, the second year we ended up... Um, was the year that the, the Egyptian badges happened. Sweet. And uh, we were unbricking badges and Lost was shipping people to us to fix their badges. <laughs> and we got an image of every single badge, including the Uber badge. And that was really bad because we started flashing human badges, Uber badges, and then releasing people with human badges out into the world with Uber badges flashed. And those would actually deactivate themselves for two days if what they is came an Uber in badge? So, so, well, we are definitely getting into DEF CON history. So there's all these different <laughs> kinds of badges, right? There's different yeah. colors. They're different. A human is a person who just goes to DEF CON. Right. Uh, red is a goon. It's a staff member. There's press. There's... Um, people who work for uh, vendors, and then if you're doing a talk, for, it's a different. Yeah, one, if right? you if you're a speaker, there's a, you get a badge. It's a blue one, I believe, a black or maybe badge. something like that. Um, so the black badge is the Uber badge. The black badge is oh. you get. So if you win a win a contest oh. that is deemed respectable enough, and they deem them respectable randomly at the con. Okay. Um, except for except for there's one contest which is capture the flag that gets black badges for the winners by default. Bryce got a black badge, I think, you one or two years. Right. Two. Yeah. Right. And so if you get a black badge. Um, number one, the black badges are usually crazy. Like what they do for the black badges is crazy. Like one year they made a tritium, um, infused brick. So like you <laughs> couldn't take it home because it got radiation. Oh. Um, and another one, yeah, another one they got like, they had like this whole eye that came out of it and it was a completely like animatronic face. And another year they like made it out of gold. Um, and so the black badge is always kind of this unique thing for the year that you win it. But, um... The black badge gives you hmm. life access to DEFCON for life. 
Oh wow! Um, and so you get free access to DefCon for life. You you get free badges. And cool. You, you get to go through inhuman registration, which is like one tenth the length of yeah. Of, okay, of human so inhuman registration is just registration for anybody besides that the isn't humans. humans. And okay. so, yeah, so you get to go through that, and it's all great. I wondered about that last yeah. year. I was like, what is this? This line is yeah, way shorter. So, yeah, <laughs> the human registration is basically if you're a speaker, staff, okay. vendor, or something that makes like sense. that. Um, but, but so, black badges, yeah, so an Uber badge, we got it. But the thing is that they, they this year, that year, year 20, they actually made the Uber badge. So you had to talk to everybody, and they actually, it has a light emitting, it has a, not an LED, but like a UV diode or something like that. I forget what the diode was. Maybe it was, I was IR. I have IR diode, so it would actually flash out what kind of badge it was. So if you were talking to somebody else, your badges would talk and tell each other what kind of badge you were. So if you talked to different people, you'd actually get different effects on your badge. Uh, if you dope. talked to a goon before to a certain time, it would lock your badge out for like up to th up to like five, eight hours. What? And so what it would do is it would actually set a bit because we pulled the whole thing down and we took it apart. Um, is it would actually set a counter in the system in the in 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 RAM and in, in ROM, not even RAM. It would. It would have a written counter that actually, like, it counted down, but you couldn't take the batteries out and plug it back in to fix it. It would be stuck in memory, and it would actually, until it counted down to zero. And so it would count down, and um, your badge was inoperable until then. It would be scrambled. And <laughs> wow. if you talk to a goon or to an Uber badge before that time was up, then the Uber badge would flat out brick your badge for up to like three days is what we figured out. Oh so like gosh. you could or two days. So you could brick your badge for most of the convention by getting too close to an Uber badge at the wrong time. And it was crucial in order to solve some of the challenges to take that badge and talk to every single person in order. But not the goon and then the Uber but badge, right? You wanted to talk to a goon and then an Uber in that order. Wow. And so, yeah, because it would brick your badge to do it any other way. And so we got a copy of the Uber badge and started flashing human badges oh, no. with the firmware for the Uber badge, <laughs> which then would just brick badges as they were walking down the hallways. I think that one's either set to Goon or Uber right now. Wait, what this one? That one right there is currently oh, a wow. Goon or an Uber badge right now. That's too funny. Yeah. That's crazy. So we did stupid things like that at DEF CON. Those are the kinds of things that are fun. Sweet. Yeah, it's sneaking up on us, too. Yeah. They're just now starting to send out emails to everybody internally, like, hey, guys. Uh, What's your plans? Yeah, you come Because as, a, as someone who works the back end of the Shoot. security. I need to send the email. As the, yes, people, you do. As, the people, as the people who do the IT work, this office is dead. Most, most of these offices are dead during DEF CON, Derby CON. Like, yeah. you want to know a good time to get all of your work done? Like, get all of the improvements you want to get made and, and have us all the time to work, to program? For you. For me? For someone who's working on the back end, it is while you guys are out at those conventions. If I didn't also attend those conventions, it would be a lot better. Luke's going to be very busy, right? Is yeah. he, he going to go, do you think? Uh, I, he has mentioned that he'd like to. That'd be cool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? Has yeah. he been? Uh, I don't think he's been there for a while. Okay. Um, DEF CON has changed a lot. That's true. Yeah. You want to talk about DEF CON, the old DEF CON versus the new DEF CON off camera. <laughs> <laughs> really? We asked yeah. uh, Luke McComey when he was on about it. Yeah. yeah, talked a little bit about the history. Yeah, uh, Alexa Park was a little bit of an insane period for DAFCON. Let's just put it that way. Alexa Park. Yeah. I don't well, know what that's that's the hotel. It's oh, the that's park. the old. Okay, yeah, gotcha. The old, that's the, the old hotel that didn't have a casino in it. It wasn't on the strip. Huh. All right. Watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it's time to wrap up. Honestly, we've okay. been here. Yeah. I, I hope. I hope I gave you enough about uh, IT or about. The IT side of it, I think I'm more of just, we kind of just went all over. Yeah, I apologize I mean, for that. DevOps and DEF CON flows well. They both start yeah. with DEF. Yeah. So yeah. Well, well, I mean, right there. honestly, the DevOps thing, Def I, I wouldn't ever trade this, like, this group of users 
for another group of users if I'm going to end up doing an IT support kind of position mm-hmm. because having technically competent users creates some very unique, unique and awesome situations and arguably some unique and awesome problems. I felt like but you're not com- dealing compliment. with... Yeah, I it is. That, yeah. For the most part, for the most <laughs> part, I, as I said, we don't, we don't, well, as I said earlier, we don't, we don't get um, as many problems from you guys as we used mm-hmm. to. Like, for instance, you know, or not used to, but from, as from the average user, you don't get a lot of, you know, my Outlook disappeared. Kind of thing. <laughs> we don't get those. We, we can but, clear our own browser cache and stuff right, like but that. But on the other hand, we get ones like, I accidentally wiped my computer while using DD. What do I do? I'm just like, <laughs> uh, well, we need to get you a new copy of, of Windows. Well, did you back up? <laughs> yeah, did you back up? Uh, cool. That was, that's a, it's a heck of a learning moment. <laughs> yeah, right. What's a backup? We can, we can <laughs> fix a lot of problems, but it's really hard to fix problems that the users create themselves. And you guys prevent some, present some interesting problems, or pen testers present some interesting problems, because how do you make an environment su- secure while still providing the access you need to do the job? Yeah, like the thing that you were showing Nate earlier yeah. about a uh, pseudo on nmap. Yeah, That's yeah, fresh. the fact that you can just read any file. Nobody thinks about that. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna nmap a thing and I need pseudo access to in order because there's certain ports you need access pseudo access to do and yeah. stuff like that. And like UDP stuff, UDP scans and something. You actually on Linux you can't access the bottom 124 port or 1024 ports yeah. without being pseudo. Um, and so, but at the same time, access using pseudo as root also means that you have some certain problems. Yeah. Well, or all using right. nmap as root. So, uh, Josh, in wrapping up, yeah. uh, where can people like find you if they want to talk to you? Or good, luck. They probably, good luck. You know, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> uh, I have, I have, I have a uh, a GitHub. I think that is linked to the Coal Fire organization. And then you're going to be at uh, the cons. I will obviously. be at. I will be at DefCon. Um, I'm going to see if I can make B-sides, but that's a money thing. Do you have a handle? Uh, JSO? And I don't really have a, a handle. handle that comfortable giving I don't out. have a handle that I'm comfortable giving out, believe okay. it or not. All right. Um, cool. An so enigma. That's Josh. Yeah. Yes. Josh the enigma. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, that wraps it, I guess, for episode I mean, four. Yeah. Thank I'm, you. I'm a... I guess Crav works because I'm in I'm in I'm uh, on in the DefCon book books like the DefCon books. Thank you to Crav Crav K R A V. Okay, Crav. All right, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, so. right on. Thank you for coming, Josh. Yeah, it's been no a real pleasure. And thank you for breaking your OPSEC rules to, yeah. to, to join. We, I, I know you're not excited about that. I'm not entirely. You know, I'm not that worried about it. At some point, this is. At some point, you gotta you gotta yeah. be open about it it's not like there aren't pictures of me out there if you look hard enough google's got it's satellites the, the problem is like you can yeah. you can you can totally find this you you can totally say like i'm secure at all this i'm not having this information but i can't control what other people post to post to facebook if they go with with josh right. then i'm like True. great <laughs> thanks yeah i mean that's i don't know because i don't have a facebook i couldn't tell i can't <laughs> log in to find all out sorts of stuff. i can't log in to find out <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thanks for watching everybody yeah. uh this has been Colcast. Do we have an outro? <laughs> oh, really? Do you have an intro song? Or an outro song? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll fade out. Okay, we'll, fade out. we'll just fade I out. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought you were gonna keep going. No. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Thank you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.